Welcome to PS Let's Talk Love. I'm Marsha. And I'm Solvay. We're communication professors and dating and relationship coaches. And in each episode, we'll be talking about dating, love, relationships, and all their complexities. We're here to help you navigate the sometimes awful, sometimes exhilarating, and oftentimes bonkers elements of all things relationships. We want to emphasize that this podcast is separate from our teaching and research at our university jobs. It is, however, part of our desire to bring dating and relationship support to folks everywhere. Let's talk love. Hello, hello, and welcome to episode 13. As always, we like to start every episode with what are we loving this week? Uh, it's been a doozy of a week. <laughs> Sylvie, what are you loving? And as you mentioned, we may have some other things to discuss, but I do want to talk about something that I am loving this week. And, and hopefully these people listen to the podcast. It would make me so happy if you do. I had such a fun interaction last week on the bike trail. I was out on a walk and with a friend. And these people biked by and, you know, I mean, you're on a bike trail, right? You don't stop and notice everyone who's biking by, but the people stopped and they said, oh, hey, Solvay. And I was like, okay, wait, you know, I haven't seen, there's so many people that I haven't seen in two years, right? I'm like, who are these people? Or like, are you one of my students? Like, where do I know you from? Where do I know you from? And I was impressed because I was wearing a mask and I was like, somebody is wrecking. Anyways, it was, I was impressed. And they said, oh no, hey, Solvay. And then they said who they were. And I know they, they, I think they want to be anonymous. So they said who they were. And I was like, okay, those names sound familiar in my brain somewhere, like somewhere in the past. And then they helped me remember that Oh my gosh. Was it two years ago, Marsha, when we did our love is blind? Yeah. I think it's two years ago. Almost so exactly two years ago. Yeah. We've mentioned this before on the podcast. You may have heard before, but about two years ago, we did our own sort of version of love is blind on zoom without, so that people could meet and talk with one another without seeing one another. And these two people had met through the love is blind experiment. And they stopped because they were like, we need to tell you, we met through your experiment and we are still in a relationship together. Ah, it's so it exciting. So cool. <laughs> so if you two listen to the podcast, I just want you to know that that just was the best thing ever. We're so glad that you stopped and let us know. And we're so glad that you go on bike rides together. <laughs> yeah. That's a two-year relationship. That is significant. Oh, it just made me so happy. I mean, I, I jumped up at it once I, once it, like all of the pieces yeah. and parts came together in my mind, I definitely jumped up and down and was like, <laughs> oh my gosh, this is so <laughs> it was really great. Well, if they end up getting married, I'd like to be invited to the wedding. <laughs> And if you're listening, if you do happen to listen to the podcast, we would really love to interview you sometime. If you let us, you can remain anonymous. We won't say your names if you don't want to, but please let us interview you. That's so cool. Thank you for telling us. Yes. That's so cool. So cool. So everybody there, let that be some hope for you today, that there are wonderful people out there that you can meet and connect with and have wonderful relationships with. Yeah. Anyways, so that was super awesome. And totally, that's, so that's cool. totally what I'm loving. And I feel like we need a little bit of love right now oh, because, well, we'll talk about that. But do you have anything you're loving right now? Oh, oh, oh actually, let me just say also, I'm getting ready to go to Ireland and I'm loving that right now. I oh just added that. I <laughs> just added that. Yes, I leave this week and I'm going to be in Dublin for a few Oh, weeks. what are you doing in Dublin? <laughs> <laughs> Tell us, what are you doing? Well, I'm going to go spend some time with my international lover, as y'all have heard. And yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be fun. This is our third time that we've actually spent time together in person. And -hmm. it's the longest amount of time that we've spent together. So it will be very interesting listeners. I, I am excited and I'm hopeful and y'all know me. I'm open to delight and Mm -hmm. 
also, I don't even, I don't even know what to expect. I think that, yeah, there's, uh, I think it's, but I do know that Dublin is really fun and I'm really excited to spend time with my international lover and see what happens next. Oh man. I'm so excited. I can't wait to hear stories. Yes. I think I'll, I'll write down a few stories. So when I, when I come back, I'll be, I'll be on break for a little while y'all, but I will be back. Yeah. Yeah. I guess this is a good time to mention to listeners, just so you know, um, next episode you'll hear Solvay and then we'll have a couple episodes where it unclear exactly how they'll go. We don't know yet. It'll all be there. (laughs) We might, Dustin might show up at some point. We might have some solo moments with me. Who knows? How fun is that? Buckle up. Anyways, I'm loving that too. I'm loving. I love, I love both of those things. Yes. Yes. How about you? What are you loving right now? Um, there's not much, I'm not loving much. Yeah. Yeah. Um, say more. Yeah. So we listeners were recording this on Tuesday, uh, May 3rd. We're recording a little earlier than we normally do. And if you're tracking that date, you'll know that that is the day after we just Politico published that, um, the The draft opinion from the Supreme court overturning Roe v. Wade. Um, I mean, I think many of us knew this was coming, um, and in fairness, I suppose it's like not official, official, but it's official. Um, but it's, you know, not loving that. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah. Listeners. We just talked about this offline for like 20 minutes and we were like, maybe we should talk about this online too in our recording. Yeah. I just think, and it was really surreal because if we had recorded this even like yesterday during the day, I would have said that the thing I'm loving is preparing for the Met Gala, um, Mm -hmm. which is my favorite event to watch and do I think it's an obscene representation of wealth and all the things that could be possibly wrong yes but also do I love fashion also yes also yes (laughs) and I just really always enjoy looking at all the the costumes because really it's a costumes at this point and it was so surreal last night I was scrolling social media and you know this is something we talked about half it was like 50 50 half of my social media was met gala like look at this gown and the other half was like no more women's rights (laughs) and it felt so bizarre like it felt like we were in some sort of dystopian movie um and I normally love to feel like I'm in a movie but this is not a time that I love it not this one no. Yeah. No, we were talking about how weird that was for anybody else. If you were just like, think about looking at social media, because I also really love fashion, love yeah. seeing all the styles. And also it was just a really, really intense social media evening. And who knows yeah. what's going to come next or what will happen when this, it, this episode airs. Yeah we'll see what comes next, but yeah, we're both, we're both struggling to feel the love today. Not loving a lot of things. I guess I will say we can cut this if we want to. Um, I mean, I just want to point out anyone listening that abortion is a medical procedure that we seem to have politicized in a way that is absurd. So if you're listening and you're like, how could you, I mean, I don't know that any of our listeners are uh, anti-choice. I'm going to guess if they're listening to us, they probably, they probably have checked out already if they're, they're anti-choice, but if you don't understand why we're upset, I think it's worth noting that abortion is literally just a medical procedure. It is necessary in many cases and there are all sorts of reasons that it's used. Um, some is to, you know, end unwanted pregnancies. Others are for all sorts of other medical reasons. And I just think that that's important to remember that uh, if 
if you, especially if you're a dude and you're like, why is everyone upset? Just think about what it would feel like if there was some sort of legislation that prevented you from getting a medical procedure that could save your life. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I think that's what I want to add is we know that a lot of our listeners are identify as women, but we also have a good chunk of our audience that identifies as men from what we can tell. And we want you to know that this is an issue for all of us. Mm -hmm. Everyone's issue. It's a human issue. And so we hope that you're paying attention. Yeah. And I think it's, you know, something that I found interesting, um, you know, we were talking about social media, um, one thing, okay, this is a long, long road, but I'll make it short. Uh, one thing I, I remember hearing, uh, when somebody I know came out as trans, they mentioned that the one thing that they did was when they posted it on social media, like they really looked at who responded about Mm -hmm. them coming out as trans and like looked to that and looked to like, okay, who's a safe person for me, right? Like, so the people who liked it and commented positively, like they knew they were safe. And I always think about that whenever we have like kind of bigger things happening in the world or, or small personal things that affect people, because I, I am also of the mindset. Sometimes I'm like, what is posting on social media going to do? And I don't know that it does a lot in the grand scheme, but it, I do know that it lets people in my life who know me know when I am on their side. Right. Mm-hmm. And I see them. And that's why, like, I posted, or I still am posting about Ukraine because I, it's not because I think that my social media post is going to stop the war, but I, at the very least, want the people in my life, especially the ones affected by it, to know that I am on their side. Like, they are not forgotten. And so again, long road, but same goes in this case, like there, I will say the few, very, very few men that I have seen say something I really, really appreciate, um, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because it at least feels like, like we are being seen and it's not just being ignored as a woman's issue because it's not, Mm -hmm. um, So I think that's just worth noting because I think, I do think many people are like, well, what is it going to do? You know, like it probably isn't going to change anything, but it will make the people in your life feel more seen. Yeah. On an interpersonal level, it makes a difference. Yeah. And again, I I think, well, maybe not again, but I will say that I think sometimes I know sometimes when it comes to social media, I feel like pressure, like, oh my gosh, I have to have to say something about everything. And, And you don't have to say something about everything. You can take your time. You can have your boundaries around social media. It's okay. You don't always have to post, but I think your, your point is really valuable, Marsha, that when we are able to see who is posting about what it, it makes a difference for us in our interpersonal relationships. And, and that is a value mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah. yeah. So, um, I mean, who knows, who knows what things will look like in a week when this episode comes out. Um, but yeah, we're just having trouble loving much right now. Um, given where we're at, although I I guess I'll say one thing that will, so we can end this check-in on like a more positive note because while I know that things are serious and all of that, um, I also think like we have to find things that are bringing us light in the world always, because if we just stay in the darkness, that doesn't help anyone. Mm-hmm. Um, we can hold more than one thing in our hand at a time. <laughs> um, so one thing that I really, I am loving, um, I just got back actually from a walk with, um, I took my puppy Obi on a walk with her brother, Jamie, yeah. uh, and the woman who adopted him. And it was so lovely. We let them play in the backyard for a few minutes and we took them on a walk and, you know, they're still kind of dumb, dumb puppies. So the walk was quite entertaining, Um, (laughs) but it was so fun. I'm not only like to see him because he was one of the puppies I fostered for a while, um, but she got to play with her brother. I I told her all morning. I'm like your brother, because we call him brother. Uh, because for some reason she has, like, she can't pronounce everything correctly in my mind. <laughs> um, we also say that she calls me perfin instead of person. <laughs> it's, it's very dumb. I know, but you know, 
the things that make us giggle. Um, anyway, it was it just, it was so nice to see her brother. <laughs> and, and I also have become friends with the woman who adopted him. And that was really, it was just really lovely to go on a walk. And I chatted with her, but also getting to see him. So that is something I think, again, especially in when we're feeling a little bit of heaviness or a lot bit of heaviness and darkness, it's nice to focus on like, you know, taking a few deep breaths and connecting with someone or, you know, spending time with dogs, whatever the thing is to bring a little light. For sure. And listeners, I can see Obi laying <laughs> and Roxy laying behind Marsha while it's amazing that Obi just chills during these podcast recordings, but so, so, so cute. And I will also say that in terms of a breath of fresh air, this episode is all about Bridgerton. So oh God, it's real light. <laughs> so we're most of the heaviness is out of the way and we're on to some lightness here. <laughs> we, yep, that is right. We did record <laughs> it before we felt the heaviness. Just... Yes, we did. So enjoy some discussion about the interpersonal relationships and communication and also our perspectives on Bridgerton. Well, <laughs> I can't wait for this conversation. We decided that we just needed to talk about Bridgerton and are we taste. We need to talk about it post haste. I just rewatched season two again because why not? Or actually, I guess I'm not on the, I'm not totally done, but I just kept thinking about Dustin saying these costumes are exquisite the whole time. <laughs> I was rewatching it. <laughs> Dustin loves a costume. <laughs> They're, they are exquisite. I wholeheartedly yeah. agree with him. They are. He's not wrong. Not wrong. So Bridgerton, y'all, I mean, now we're on season two, Marsha watched it and I'm just excited. I don't even, I don't even know what Marsha's thoughts are yet. Usually I know a little bit about what your thoughts are on things, but I don't know. So, I mean, what did you think? Okay. All right. I have a lot of thoughts on this. So I, here's what I will say. This is not, I know that this genre is not like my sweet spot. I enjoy it, but it's not my sweet spot. This, oh my God, don't kill me. Was not my favorite season of Bridgerton by a long shot. I know there's only two. Yeah. There was a lot about it that made me roll my eyes. Mm -hmm. Okay. That said, did I watch every episode? And especially toward the end of the season, was I like, let's just watch the next one now. I don't want to wait till tomorrow. Yes. So <laughs> I was in it, but I felt like, here's my summary of how I felt. I felt like they tried to create a problem where there wasn't one just to create some buildup. And then they solved it all in 20 seconds. Yeah, that's how I felt. How did you feel? I want to hear how, I mean, I can get into specifics, but I want to hear your general feeling on it first. Okay. Well, I was, I do like this sort of genre. Like I am into it already. I'm already like, give me all the romance, give me all the period piece. Like, yes, mm -hmm. I love all of this. So, so that number one, I do, I did really enjoy season one. And so I had I wasn't sure what to expect with season two because I knew that they would likely do things differently. And I agree with your points. I wanted it to be sexier. Although I do think there were a lot of wonderful oh, glances <laughs> between one another. Like I loved that. Um, I, I can see what you're saying. I mean, I did feel like it was a bit drawn out in terms of what was happening between people. But I think it was, was some recent week you had said you like that the problems are not terrible yeah. problems. And I think that for, for the sake of escapism, which is often why I enjoy these kinds of shows, that was very satisfying to me. Like there was nothing that I was so worried about. I mostly just wanted to see Anthony and wait, wait what's her name? Kate? Kate. Yeah. Okay. Okay. It was a, yeah. I mostly just wanted to see Anthony and Kate interact at all moments. And I really enjoyed that. I really, really enjoyed their 
dynamic. Go on. Now, what do you think? It Well, it was, there is like low stakes. It's low stakes. It's will this rich person marry this one rich person or this other rich person? And like all the stakes is just like society hierarchy. And there is something that is just so it's like a warm, cozy blanket where you're like, this is low stakes, but I care, but also I'm not stressed about it. And it is, you're like, that's a great point. It's great escapism. It's great at what it's trying to do. I think I could have done without some of the longing glances and like grazing each other's fingertips in slow motion like oh got comical oh, I, I like, loved it I loved it so much <laughs> I don't think it was comical at all it was just like oh I can I, feel I can feel that moment <laughs> I was embarrassed I'm like this is embarrassing to watch what is happening <laughs> okay it was clearly made for me and not for you it like especially yeah it there is I felt like so at one point I'm like are they mocking us like are they trying to mock Bridgerton like as a show by like slow mowing it and the the bee sting part I loved it so sexy oh my god I I laughed I couldn't handle it and like this also if we are to dig deep into this, I think this is a level of people's psyche. Like I am not comfortable in overly romantic situations in my life. Like I once had a boyfriend who like lit candles and put rose petals down. And I was like, what is fucking happening? This isn't like, what are you doing? I could not like be in the moment. It just like felt too comical to me. So this is also, I think probably like, differences in how our brains work I see the longing glances and like his hand on her heaving chest and I'm like oh god I can't I have to look away (laughs) you probably would have liked the candles and rose petals probably I mean there is at some point where I roll my eyes just to be clear however Mm. it it was not in the show and also I was just like (laughs) kept texting international lover and being like I hope you're taking notes and he's like not watching it at all and not interested like not interested at all and I'm like this is the this is the level of romance I expect so yeah I don't know I will say so I I do like the idea of a story of like two people just feel intrinsically connected like there is immediately this connection I like those kind of stories I think that they're fun to watch and escape in and I think like that kind of romance is exciting I just felt like they belabored it I also was like this sister Jesus does she not have eyes and I did appreciate at the end when they like did another glance like longing glance and she was like oh my god has it been like this the whole time I was like thank you yes it's been embarrassingly long stairs and everyone else in their vicinity is aware of their deep, deep sexual attraction. <laughs> so are there any points about interpersonal communication or dating or relationships <laughs> that we want to make, or did we just want to talk about the show? Cause I, um, let's see. I no, mostly just the show, I think, because I have some more thoughts. Hold on. Oh, go on. I, I, I realize that my initial reaction is really just to the prime, like that I would call it like the A storyline, right? The Anthony Kate storyline. Mm-hmm. But I do, I really enjoyed the Eloise. Like, I, I, that is actually like my like perfect genre is like this girl that's kind of sassy and like feminist and she likes to read she's like joe from little women (laughs) and she has ideas and like is kind of like a rabble rouser and then like sneaks away from her stuffy family and like finds this guy who's like cool and he like is a printing apprentice and he also is a rabble rouser and he has ideas and they like find some chemistry and there it's like two worlds like another version of titanic kind of i'm like very into that okay so i like that story i'm like yes i want her to like go live in the 
bad quote-unquote bad part of London with this guy who wears suspenders <laughs> you always know. know somebody's suspicious when they wear <laughs> suspenders oh my god I know I love that I love that storyline as well that was really good yeah. I wonder if it will continue I wonder if he gets to come back because he seemed like he really shut that down yeah I want them I I like that kind of story a lot so I wanted to see that She's I think a great that, character. She's yeah. a great character. Yeah. I also just love, I have never seen that actress in anything else. I don't think there is something about the way she moves and the way she says things like there are, it's her nonverbals that is so compelling. Like I cannot stop watching her when she's on screen. Like she moves just, I mean, I'm moving right now. This is a, <laughs> not a visual medium, so I don't know why I'm doing it, but the way that she moves her body is like just feels so consistent with the way she plays the character and feels like somebody I know like I guess that's what it is it just feels familiar in a way that I just am so impressed with and I really really enjoy watching her yes she is so endearing and I also just love Penelope and mm-hmm. Penelope's I just love that she moves through these episodes and is such a freaking badass and people don't know it necessarily but we get to see that as an audience I really really like that yeah I liked when she connected up with the dressmaker and like made a deal like I love seeing how smart she is and like understands so much about human behavior and like business also she's really smart um I think that that is cool to see. I enjoy that. She's just listening. She's listening to everybody. And yeah, I really enjoy that too. I'm not so sure about her and the brother that I'm not convinced. I'm not in any way convinced that he's good for her. (laughs) No, you know who I did like though? I liked the guy who like kind of hit on Kate like they were in the boat together. He first Anthony like convinced him to pay attention to her and then he was like, no, I actually am interested. I was like, this guy seems delightful. He doesn't seem to give a shit about this society stuff. Yes. Right. Like he's like, no, I actually just like you. And I like, like India, I've been there before. I should look you up. I'm like, yes, he seems cool. Like he's my favorite guy on this. And he also wasn't wearing suspenders. I also like the middle brother. I don't think he gets as much. He oh, does, he yeah. I mean, he gets, uh, he, he's a, seems like he's got an interesting story. I mean, I'm curious if they'll just do stories about all of them. I don't know. I haven't read all the books, but I think there's stories about all of them. So who knows how long Bridgerton will be in our lives. Um, but yeah, it's just, I think it's such a fun escape and also sure you can roll your eyes, but like you said, you wanted to keep watching. I guess I was in that phase too. I was like, I don't know, I guess I'll keep watching. Well, I guess I'll keep watching. Well, I guess I'll keep watching. And then all of a sudden mm-hmm. I had watched it all in a weekend. <laughs> it is one thing that I got frustrated with. And I think this is part of like, they want you to be frustrated with this were the the restrictions that seem to be in place related to society and family obligations. Cause I kept being like through the whole season, I was like, why can't he just be with Kate? She's also like in this world in some way. And probably close to right? <laughs> yeah. Like, is that really the only thing? Like, she seems beautiful. Like, she seems to be able to do all the things that these women are supposed to do to be, a, you know, a, a great, viable option as a wife, which seems to be basically what they're looking for. And so I'm like, well, why can't he just be like, actually, I like you and I want to be with you, especially Anthony, who is the head of this. I'm like, he's the boss. He's, he literally gets a choice in this. The women don't have choices really, but he has a choice. That's why I was just, and then when they did get married and then everything was fine, I'm like, then what was the problem? Yeah. I mean, I think these are all really valid points. (laughs) I don't think there was much of a problem. (laughs) I I mean, I'm sure I should have been like, he, he, there was a whole like underline, like he didn't actually want to be with somebody he had a deep love with right based on what he had observed with his parents Mm -hmm. and I suppose there's some communication concepts there around the way that our parents 
relationships impact our view of what kind of relationship we have. Mm -hmm. Um, because like certainly the responsibility that fell on him and and all of those pressures, like I I get that. I think that that is interesting. I don't feel like the show was like very interested in exploring that in much depth. They're like, no, let's, let's spend a lot of real estate on longing glances. (laughs) Let's spend a lot of real estate on that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We definitely didn't see that. I mean, there was a lot around expectation that was laid out, but it also seemed like, and, and, and this is something that we can notice in ourselves, you know, what, what our, what our upbringing was, what other, whatever ways we have felt wounded in the past. Right. I mean, he was somebody who was really like wounded from watching like heartbreak, um, and grief as a child. And so, you know, I suppose there's something there that we can look at in ourselves and think as we reflect on what makes us open to relationship or not. Right. I mean, that was, that seemed like sort of his point was that he was like feeling these feelings, but he was scared to feel those feelings because, he was afraid of great loss. And so, you know, for, for people who might notice, we've talked about attachment style a little bit on here, but if you notice that you maybe have a more avoidant attachment style, which seemed like he did. Mm-hmm. And so did the, and so did Kate, then those might be things to look at in yourself. If you're noticing that you're actually avoiding a relationship with someone that you would have deep feelings for in favor of someone who you don't really have many feelings, you know, but seems reasonable for you in some way. Mm-hmm. And who, like, I think what's interesting too, is it's not like she was awful or that it was like, these are a, t- a terrible match. It was like, there's just not that extra like connection that is yeah. important. Yeah. And I think that that happens in life too, right? Like the good on paper everything about the person seems like you should be a match. There's nothing inherently wrong with them where you're like, oh, they're an asshole. You're like, no, they're like fine, but there's not that like spark. Mm. And, and I think that sometimes people do just say like, I guess this is good enough. And I don't know, maybe who knows how those people end up. I suppose some of them probably stay together and some of them probably don't. And such is the nature of relationships, but you know, I think that this is a good depiction of what that can look like, right? I mean, obviously overly dra- dramatized, but um, that, you know, just because somebody checks all the boxes doesn't mean that they're your match necessarily. Yeah, which is hard if you haven't found that person that you do feel like you want to have longing glances mm-hmm. slash hand contact, I was going to say eye contact, hand contact with. A lot of hand contact. If you're not sure you want to graze hands with slowly and that's not like what you're feeling with someone. Yeah. I guess we all make decisions about whether we are willing to, what we're willing to compromise on and what we're not, but that, Mm -hmm. that show does illustrate that in interesting ways. Are there any other things that stood out to you that you thought, Oh, this is, this is important for us to talk about here. One thing that stood out to me with Kate that I think is worth noting, because I think we do see this in people is like her drive to put everyone like her, in this case, her family, right. Her mom and her sister, ahead of her and it it hurt I think really thinking about it as I will make this sacrifice for the people around me but nobody asked her to make that sacrifice and I think that we see people do this they kind of martyr themselves and even if they're not complaining about it they do these things that are like but I'm doing it for the people in my life they weren't asked to do and they're sacrificing their own happiness and, and really for what, like to what end you're not responsible for everyone around you. Certainly you want to do things that are nice for the people that you care about and you want to support them and, and all of those things, but that doesn't mean it has to come at the cost of your own happiness and well being. And I, I think that that it was depicted kind of well with her. Like, you're like, what are you doing, girl? Like you can also have a life. 
you don't have to give everything up for your sister and and your sister doesn't want that. No, I think that's a really important point and something to notice, especially if you tend to be a giver or naturally or a people pleaser or whatever you might say that like just to check in with yourself if yeah like why you're doing that (laughs) and it did seem like it didn't make a lot of sense other than she had these notions of how she thought things were supposed to go in that situation well I think it's it's that avoidant tendency also the avoidance of having to be vulnerable or having to, you know, put yourself in a position where you connect with someone. It's a lot easier to just shut that completely out. But like, and I think that people qualified and in this case, she was qualifying it as like, but I'm helping my sister. And you're like, yeah, but are you like, are you, I don't think you are, you're saying that it's for that reason, but it's for a whole different reason. Um, and I think we, I think many people have the tendency to do that, um, to say, well, I'm doing this for the, you know, whatever, whatever the thing they point to is a family member, a friend, a significant, other, or maybe not a significant other, but, you know, we do that to pre- try to prevent ourselves from getting hurt. And like, you know, if you don't put, make yourself vulnerable, you, I suppose, don't put yourself in a position to be hurt by a romantic partner, but you also don't put yourself in a position to find any joy. Yeah. You're also right. I mean, I think what is that? I don't know that it's a saying, but I've heard people say before, you know, to be open to love is to be open to disappointment as well, to be open to one is to be open to the other. And so that is a vulnerable thing. One other relationship that I just want to discuss briefly is I do think Um, there's something to be learned from the Penelope and Eloise friendship. And especially the fact that Penelope didn't let Eloise in on the fact that she was spoiler alert, Mrs. Whistledown, right? Uh, Wait, Madam, Madam Whistledown, whatever her name is, whatever, you know what I mean? She didn't, Madam, I think it is. Anyways, um, I'm curious what you think, Marsha. I really wish that she had let Eloise in on that. I really, I think that was a friendship that she could have, she could have trusted to, and I think that was a mistake that she made in that friendship to not let Eloise in, especially because she ended up starting to be kind of manipulative with the ways that she interacted with Eloise because she was trying to keep the secret. And I think there's something there that we can look at when it comes to our relationships and secrets that we keep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I think that number one, I think Eloise showed herself to be a good, strong, loyal friend. And so based on what we information we have watching the show, it seems like, why wouldn't you tell this person who is curious about this, but also cares about you? I also think, you know, especially when we think about self-disclosure and friendships and secrets and friendships, when you learn of something that a friend that you had has been hiding from you purposefully and God, that it can be really painful. Oh, it can feel it like total totally, betrayal, right? Yeah. yeah. It totally changes your idea of what that friendship is. I mm. think be, I, I, I'm just thinking about, I have a friend who I know this is kind of minor, but when she got pregnant with her oldest, she didn't tell me or our other friend until she told kind of the world, right? So when she was past her first trimester and I remember thinking like, God, I thought we were better friends than that. Like, are we not as close as I thought we were? Because I get that you don't tell, you know, it's pretty common that people don't tell a lot of people or announce pregnancies until past the first trimester, but I've had, I've certainly had friends in my life who have come and told me that they are pregnant very early on who I'm really close with. Cause I'm in that inner circle. And, and she did the same thing with a pregnancy that ended up, um, miscarrying. And so we didn't know she was pregnant and then she miscarried and then she reached out. And I, of course I'm like, I'm going to be there for her. But I remember thinking again, like, man, what are we, I guess we aren't as close as I thought. It was just an interesting thing. And then for her to 
share the miscarriage part of it was also like, oh, but, but I guess we are as close as like, this is so interesting. So anyway, just all of that to say, I think within our friendship dynamics, the way that we choose to share information, you know, when you do feel like somebody has been hiding something from you and then you find out you're like, oh my God, this like kind of changes the context of our friendship. It changes the way I view it. It can be yeah, really painful. No, I mean, I agree with you. I think it can be really, really painful. Um, and of course, we all have reasons why we let people in or we don't. But I think, especially when you have someone who is such a close friend, like it seemed like those two are like long time best friends, right? I think about, I was just thinking about this this morning. I love the, um, the Brene Brown marble jar analogy. Have you heard this before? No. And I love Brene Brown. Oh, she has this like wonderful analogy where she, she, um, shares with her daughter. It's, I, I can't, I think it's in daring greatly her book, daring greatly, but I think she also talks about it in different books that she, her daughter was trying to understand like friendships. And she was talking to her daughter when her daughter was young. And she was saying, you know, what you want to look for are marble jar relationships and in a marble jar relationship, it's as if you have this jar and every, and I, maybe I think her daughter had a marble jar at school or something. So like, mm-hmm. that was how that came up. But every time a person, a friend, treats you in ways that are honoring and cherishing and show trust, you know, all of the things that build trust in a relationship, you can imagine putting a marble in the jar. And so when you're looking at your friendships and I mean, conversely, if someone does something that is hurtful or mean, or doesn't, isn't kind to you, then you take a marble out of the jar. And so when you look at your friendships, you can look and see which friendships or which relationships do I have a full marble jar with? Like, do we keep adding to this relationship and making it this really trusting, safe, wonderful space, right? Or conversely, do I have empty marble jars with some of my friends, right? Is that the case? Mm -hmm. In which case those, so what Brene Brown was saying is like, those are the people, the full marble jars are the people that you trust. Those are your close relationships. They have, they have proven themselves essentially through treating you Uh, you know, as if you were cherished. Right. And so my point in that is that I think, I think Eloise and Penelope had a full marble jar and and Penelope wasn't trusting her with this really important part of her life. And I'm sure she had reasons for that, but yeah, I mean, what happened then was it is basically like the marble jar broke when Eloise found out without having Penelope tell her, right? And so, um, again, hopefully you've watched the show so you know what we're talking about. But I think that's so important to notice, like when, you know, how are you letting people in? And, and you can you can know who to let people in based on, do you have a full marble jar with them? <laughs> I, 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 as you're explaining, I kind of am recalling part of that. I think I've heard her talk about that. Thank you for sharing it though, because I think that's such a great example or a great analogy for what is happening here. And I think, you know, I'm the theme that I'm seeing come up here kind of with what I was talking about with Kate. And then what we saw with Eloise and Penelope too, is this idea of like, we do a lot of things acting as if telling ourselves that we're protecting the people around us Mm. and that doesn't often actually that's not usually the outcome I think it's a lie we tell ourselves and I think sometimes people really believe it even though they kind of know deep down it's a lie that I'm doing this thing to protect, I'm keeping this information from them, or I'm not doing this thing to protect them instead of being upfront and honest with people, right? Like with Kate, she could have said like to her sister, to her sister, maybe she, maybe, yeah, she could have said to her sister, Hey, like I want to see you through this. I want to support you through this. I'm going to sacrifice myself for this it's up to her sister to receive that or not. She can't control how her sister is going to receive that, but like keeping it from her feels like a betrayal. And again, Kate's saying like, but I'm doing it for you. And you're like, but I didn't ask you to do that. That's not fair to put that on someone. And same thing, right. With Penelope and Eloise, Penelope is saying, I'm not telling you because I'm protecting you. And it's not a protection. I think we oftentimes don't disclose things to people in our lives to, and we say it's 
to protect them. And it's not, it's because we're scared Mm -hmm. or, Mm -hmm. um, you know, there's all sorts of reasons why, but I don't think it's, I think it's the, a grand lie we tell ourselves. Yeah. I, I, I really appreciate that at that point. And I think I recently read this book called the way of integrity by Martha Beck. And one of the things that she says, I can't remember if I've talked about it on here or not. But one of the things that she talks about is she had like a year of no lying. And mm-hmm. she just said, did I talk about this already? I no. can't remember. You've she, mentioned her, but you haven't, we haven't talked about this part. Yeah. She just said that she just decided to go through a year and she just decided she was going to always tell the truth in every situation. And as one might imagine, <laughs> it changed a lot of things in her life to totally tell the truth about things, but it's been, I've been, it's interesting, right? Because you, I think, I don't know. I generally like to think of myself as a fairly truthful person. In fact, I think I'm pretty terrible at lying. However, when you start to think about like, well, what if I told the truth in every situation, it starts to become, I know for me, I'm like, oh, wow. There's a lot of times where I try to like brush over something, or I don't think I'm like actively thinking I'm going to lie, but I'm not thinking like, I'm going to be totally radically authentic in this moment because I'm often concerned about someone else's feelings in a situation. And so I think that has caused me to be curious. And this conversation now is also making me think where else in my life could I be, you know, especially in friendships or close relationships, even more authentic with someone, um, I think there are also sometimes consequences that happen from that, but it is something I've been thinking about a bit lately. I think too, there's, I think the people I mean, I think I say this all the time about romantic relationships, but also friendships, you know, the people who are the full marble jar people are, that's not going to be a problem for them, Mm -hmm. right? Like they're going to accept you in your honesty, where you're at, I think for the most, I mean, that doesn't mean occasionally we don't hurt people we care about, right? Like inevitably that, that is such as the nature of walking through life. But I think, I think more often than not people so value when someone is honest and upfront and just like tells them the truth. And I also think it's worth noting there's a difference between being honest about yourself and your feelings and what you want or whatever the thing is and being cruel (laughs) unnecessarily. Cause I think there's, I just like a really low stakes one would be like, if, if you were like, do you like my new glasses? And if I didn't like them, I do like them, but if I didn't (laughs) like them, I would, I would probably like, I wouldn't be like, no, they're hideous. I might be like, "Mm, I think they're not my favorite that you have, which is true. Right. I mean, it's not true in this case, but it it would be true. They're not my favorite. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I might leave it at that. Right. Like, cause like, there's no point in being unnecessarily cruel because they're, but also I'm not going to be like, Oh my God, I love them so much. Right. 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 Yeah. No, I mean, I think there's, yeah, I mean, as a per, I think that's what I was trying to say to you is as a person who uh, I'm really, it's like, it's almost impossible for me to not care about other people's feelings. It's something I work on a lot in my life. And cause I think I over, over care sometimes. Mm-hmm. And um, so I can relate to Kate's character and that sort of, if yeah. in the way of like, oh, but I'm trying to like care for all the people around me. Right. But I think again, like what you, what you're saying is it's, it's also the tone that matters. It's a tone that matters. It's the ways that we communicate about the truth, right? Just because you're saying I'm going to be truthful about things doesn't mean that you don't care about the tone that you go around criticizing people like radical authenticity doesn't mean then go be like awful to people because that's what you actually think it. it, I think there still is a responsibility or is the responsibility the word I mean, there's, there's, there's something to be said for being mindful of how you treat other people, how you, but also like, where is the balance between also being honest about things? Yeah. Totally lost in this conversation, but I really like where it went. (laughs) 
yeah I'm not sure how we got here but I do think it's I I, I think it partially is because I have been thinking about this a lot because I have been trying to be more honest and upfront with people because I do think and this is the thing I've been saying just when I look at like businesses or public figures a lot too I'm like the the cover-up is always worse than the crime like if you just are honest and you own things people tend to be quite forgiving because we all know we screw up and I think it's when people start to then like they're not honest and then they start trying to like (laughs) cover that up and it that's where it gets frustrating because because not only are you then feeling betrayal and mistrust to the person, but then you're also like, and do you think I'm an idiot that I wasn't going to see this? Like, it also feels like it's undermining your intelligence. So there's just a lot of components. Well, we hope you've gotten some useful takeaways, either from thinking about Bridgerton and we would love to hear your thoughts on Bridgerton if you feel like sharing with us or if anything else we've talked about today has sparked something in you that was uh, you know, something that you'd like to talk about more. Remember that you can message us and be a part of our conversation with us. Um, there's many ways through our show notes that you can find us. All right, so we have a question today. And just a reminder, you can send your questions in. Look at the show notes. We love it when you ask us questions or just share stories with us. I know yeah. sometimes you do that as well. Like, do what you want to do. We like it. We love, we love hearing from you. And there are many ways that you can get in touch with us if you want to discuss Bridgerton further. Or, or if you want to tell Solve a great recommendation in Ireland for her and her international lover to experience. Yes. Or, you know, really anything else that you want to tell us about that's there for you. Do we sound too desperate or lonely? We just want to hear from you guys. We like it. But it is really, really nice when you let us know how things are going and also ask us questions. Okay. So here we go. We have one. While online dating has been frustrating in the past, I still would have some great conversations, dates, and see great profiles. These days, that's almost completely evaporated. I rarely see profiles I'm interested in, both in terms of written content and attractive people. (laughs) And if I do happen to match with people, they aren't able to hold conversations. I can't remember the last time I got a match with someone who I was psyched about, where I sent their profile to a friend and was like, wow, look who I matched with. I'm wondering if online dating has crested and a lot of people are not using it because of bad experiences, or are we still seeing the after effects of the pandemic where people are resident reticent to date, good word, reticent to date, or still overcoming the past few years? Mm, Good, good, good question. What do you think, Marsha? Oh, I think this is a more than one thing can be true at a time. One of my favorite sayings. We talk a lot to people who are dating and we hear people really becoming frustrated with online dating. Uh, And it does seem like that goes in waves. People are frustrated with online dating. We've been hearing that a lot. I also think it probably is somewhat the after effects or the lingering effects of the pandemic and, and all that came with that. I think it's not just COVID. It's not just like the idea of catching COVID that people are hesitant to date about. I think that could be part of it, but I think it's also the social isolation, the independence that was gained, the reevaluation of priorities and values. There's so much that came with the pandemic that I think is impacting people and their outlook on dating and their willingness to date and where they're at mentally. I find myself and listener, sorry, I didn't go to the research yet. And it's probably not even like, there's probably not even research yet that says what's happening with online dating post pandemic, but it does make me curious to see if we'll start to, I mean, this question of has online dating crested, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. I think the points that you just made Marsha were good. And, and I think 
at what we hear from people is the tendency for it to ebb and flow in terms of what's happening for people, you know, like it really does. I mean, just remember just like any other experience, it just takes matching with one person who you feel excited about. Right. And who also feels excited about you and who's also ready. And we know that there are people on those sites that are genuine and are looking and are, you know, emotionally available and actually available. We know those things. We know that that that's true. And also if this is how you're feeling right now, I would take a break, right? If you're actually like, oh my gosh, I haven't been psyched about anything in a while, then I would take a break and start to get creative about what else Mm -hmm. you do to meet people. Right. I mean, I, let's see, I'm trying to make some connection to Bridgerton. Yes, we don't have. Um, I don't think we have balls, balls to go to right now. <laughs> um, nor is there much in terms of parents arranging things for us. Or <laughs> wait a second, hold on, I've got an idea. Should we hold a Bridgerton scale ball for single? <laughs> I mean, we did say we like the Met Gala. Um, so as long as we get toward that kind of thing, I thought you were going to say, wait a second, should we become matchmakers? <laughs> oh, funny joke for anyone who's new to our podcast. We did start a matchmaking business right before the pod, not podcast, right before the pandemic. Marsh is like moving her arm back and forth. And I thought she was trying to do some nonverbal to tell me like, don't talk about matchmaking. No, I just am trying to get my stand out right now. I'm going to keep this in. <laughs> um, so we, yeah, I mean, so you could look for a matchmaker as one way if you're tired of online dating. Um, I've also been seeing some really cool things on social media around speed dating and how that sort of seems to be making, did it, did it ever go away? I'll say a bit of a comeback. Is that a thing? I don't know, but it seems like like it went away for a while. I mean, probably during the pandemic, it seems like people are reinventing speed dating in some fun and interesting ways. Mm -hmm. Um, and all of the other ways that, you know, see other podcast episodes where we've talked about meeting people in person, right there, just remember that there are all kinds of ways. And so if you are exhausted by online dating and also feeling this way, I would say, take a break you can always come back to it in a month or two and see how you feel then. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's good advice. I think maybe instead of sitting and scrolling on online dating sites, maybe, I don't know, go to a happy hour with a friend or something like that, right? Like put yourself out in positions to meet somebody, but also be having fun in the process um, mm-hmm. would mm-hmm. be my recommendation. Cause it sounds like, I mean, I think we all need, we all need some lightness. Yeah. Um, and it doesn't sound like you're seeing it in your online dating. Yeah. You know, one fun idea, I just have to say this because it made me think of it. One of my, one of my pals and I, before the pandemic would do this happy hour. And my point is that you all can do this yourselves. If you're single and thinking about things, um, we would start to do, we would did this happy hour and we would invite other single friends and we would tell all of them to invite one of their single friends Mm -hmm. and just to like see who would show up to these happy hours and it was actually really fun and it was a neat way to meet new people and so that could be something you know if you're like oh there's no speed dating in my town and I don't know where I'm gonna go next like maybe try something like that get a couple single friends together and have them invite other people and see what happens yeah yeah I mean I think in general the thing to keep in mind too in this like whatever post pandemic, it's not, I I don't know where we're at, where we're at in the world is a lot of people's social lives got really small for a while for necessary reasons. It's not shade to people. Now, as things seem to be opening up a little bit more, and it it seems that most people are kind of ready to re-expand, like this is a nice opportunity to do that. And it's maybe even if you're feeling kind of down about dating, think of it as just expanding your social circle a little bit, like re-expanding it and you'll make some friends, you'll make some acquaintances. I don't know, maybe you'll make some professional connections. And also you might potentially meet somebody romantic, like think of it in a broader way, even maybe Mm -hmm. it's just, I'm going to have some fun sitting on this deck in the sunshine, drinking a cocktail, like having that mindset might be helpful if you're feeling kind of down too. Totally. Yeah. 
Okay. Well, was that helpful? We hope so. We'll see you next week. Thanks so much for listening to the PS Let's Talk Love podcast. We want to send out a special thank you to Medium Build for our show music. And if you enjoy this podcast, follow us anywhere you listen to podcasts. And if you want to support us, it's super helpful if you could give us a five-star rating and leave us a review sharing what you're loving right now. Really, we want to know. And if you don't like it and you got this far, don't worry. You do not have to listen to us again. You can just you can just forget this podcast exists and move along. You can catch up with us on Instagram at ps.welovelove or follow us on TikTok at psconsulting. If you're interested in private coaching or learning more about our online classes, go to pscurators.com to learn more and find free resources to support you. See you next time.